0: seated. Let's pray just before we come around the word. This morning, Father, we just want to thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your presence here. We thank you, Lord, that you rule in the affairs of men. And Lord, as we have been in this time, this time, this weekend, and these last few days have been so, so troublesome in the world, With such pain and violence and we look at the state of Europe and the seas and the waves roaring the Bible talks about nations and disturbance and things that will happen before your return and Father we don't know where we are on your time scale but you do and you hold us in your hands you hold this world in your hands you hold the future of man in your hands and through Christ we have your son we have that redemption yes. we have forgiveness we have whole complete state of being blameless and reconciled to you yeah. and father we pray that as we look at your word this morning you will open it to us and give us fresh understanding and a fresh sense of the freedom that we have in Christ yep. amen. amen in the old days at this particular point in time and stage what I'd say won't you turn in your Bibles too Well that doesn't happen so much anymore and I, and I just I've been wondering about that I think to have a nice big fat King James wouldn't be a bad idea occasionally <laughs> anybody agree with me yeah not King Jimmy okay okay but um you know sometimes I think we we you know when we used to bring our Bibles to church and we were we were used to leafing through it and I know everything's technical now and we can just press a button and we're there and some of you are right right there on on, on that and that's great and it's the same word so don't get me wrong but there was something about the smell and the And the feel of the word of God. Do you agree with me? And notes? No. Oh, okay. All right. We won't get too stuck there. So we're we're looking at Galatians, and um, you know we can think we can think in terms of the letter that Paul wrote to Galatia, Galatia, and we know that it happened two two thousand years ago. But what does that mean today? You know, when I was doing a series last year, and where some of us were meeting here in the evening, we, we looked at the, um, the book of Ephesians and we looked at the book of Galatians. And I headed that, the title up, Letters to Christ Church. Because what was said in those letters is said to us today. Because the Word of God is living and active like a two-edged sword. It's alive. It's here for us now, today. And it applies to us. And it applies to our thinking and how we are because it's fully inspired by the Holy Spirit. And when Paul wrote that letter to the Galatian church, he was writing uh, with, with a heart that was pained, a heart that was hurting because the gospel that he had brought to that church and birthed that church in was being polluted by a message of legalism and law. That was his concern. And I don't, bel- I don't think that's changed. I think if Paul was here now, today, he'd be writing a similar letter, maybe to the church at Christchurch, <laughs> and saying, oh foolish Christurdians. Christurdians. how, would you, how, do, you, how do you say Christchurch Christ people? <laughs> Near enough. Oh, Cantabrian. Cantabrians. Yeah, Cantabrians, that's a little bit. That's a bit more correct, isn't it? Where would where you coming from? So, um, so he's writing to us in the context of where we're at today. And I've entitled these last two sermons, Born to be Free. Born to be Free 1, and we've got a second one today, which is Born, born to be Free 2. Okay, so we've had Born to be Free 1, now we've got Born to be Free 2. In Galatians 5 verse 1 says... Christ has set us free, for the freedom Christ has set us free, for freedom Christ has set us free, stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. What is he saying? In the context of the church at that time... They, for many of the Galatians, they'd been saved out of idolatry. Then they'd been saved out of a worship of Zeus and Apollos and various ones. Um, And 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 in with that was a bondage. There was a lot of immorality, a lot of, of, of worship of beauty in the Greek culture and of the body. And it's not too dissimilar for what we have today in our world and the worship of sexuality, and, and the body, and various things, and, and having a great time, and all, all of that was going on, and they'd been saved from that, and then these Jews had come along, and they'd said, now that's fine, that's great, we love Jesus, but you need to keep this rule, that rule, and the other rule, and you need to be circumcised, which I always think is a sort of a, it's give me the... Ugh. What a horrible thought. You know, you've got to be this, you've got to be that, and you've got to keep these rules, and you've got to keep the law of Moses, and, and you're not complete until you've done all of this. And Paul, when he hears about this, is tearing his hair out, saying, no, foolish Galatians, why don't be yoked again into slavery? And last, and last week we looked at that, that whole concept of um, where Paul takes the life of Abraham and illustrates it by the fact that Abraham believed and had faith and that was accounted to him for righteousness. It wasn't the fact that he kept a whole lot of rules that made him righteous, but his faith his belief that made him righteous. And the illustration that, that I referred to was that illustration of the fact there were two sons. There was Isaac, who was free. He was the son of Sarah. And there was the son of Hagar, which was Ishmael. And they were, Paul used them as typology of one that was um, in the bondage to, like Mount Sinai, which was the law, and the other one was born of the free woman, for freedom in Christ. And it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Now, many of us, and I'm certainly speak for myself, have been brought up or been birthed into a church that had a mixture of law and grace. Anybody know what I'm saying here? Yeah. Where there's this mixture of, well, you get saved and you're excited and it's a, an amazing experience. And then you come along to church. And that's great. It's exciting and I love the worship and it's a wonderful presence of the Holy Spirit. And after a little while there, you go to a maybe a new Christian's class. And you say, well, that's great. That's great. But now you you need to be a disciple, and you need to do. You need to read your Bible every day, and you need to pray every day, and you need to tithe, and you need to fast occasionally, and you need to do this, and you need to do that, and oh yeah, and make sure that you always keep Sunday separ- separated for Jesus. Don't worry about the other days, but just. And, and there can be these these sort of. Little laws, which sound great, but what happens is we make them rules. Rather than them feeding into, and it's great to read your Bible every day, and it's great to pray every day, and it's great to fast, That's that's, all those things are important. But if they become an end in themselves, if we think by doing those things we make ourselves righteous, we've got it all wrong. It's a behavioural performance-based Christianity. And what happens is, if we start living out of that, we start looking at other people. And we think, they're not quite as good as I am. They're maybe not quite as holy because they haven't been reading the Bible every day. And you get these people that come along the home group and say, Oh, I can't, I can't succeed, and I, I can't and, and I need I need to read my book, but I don't and and there's these these feelings come into place. Rather than being centred on what Christ has done and the finished work of Christ on the cross, we start looking at our own performance and our own righteousness thinking that will justify us. But what, what happens also that when we do that is, who knows, we never quite live up to it. We never are quite good enough. We've always got to try harder. Because that's our human state. You see, the law is not just a whole set of 600-odd laws that are listed in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. They can be just laws that we put on ourselves, Mm -hmm. rather than a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. I've been been um, discipling a young man who gave his his life to the Lord just a few weeks ago, and we've been sitting and sharing uh, weekly, having a chat for an hour, and... I downloaded some stuff for him as a new Christian and thought, yeah, this, this would be good. And I read through it and I thought, what am I doing here? Am I giving him rules and regulations and what to do? Where he fills in the answers and so on and so forth. And I'm not decrying some of those courses. They're really good and we need to be disciplined and we need to apply ourselves, all of that. But what I was finding was in his life, He'd, I had the privilege of praying and leading him to the Lord, but, and, he was, and he had a real sense of the presence of God. And I said, well, how has it been for you? And this is about a month ago. How has it been for you? And he was saying, well, it's, it's like everything's changed. Everything's got a different colour. At work and at home, and everything seems to have changed. I see things differently. And as soon as you start overlapping rules onto that and onto the freedom of the Spirit and what the Spirit is saying and doing, then immediately we can... performance can very, very easily sneak on us. Now, why are we like that? We've been set up like it. We've been set up as children to expect reward when we do well and punishment when we do not so well, yep. right? Yep. That's the human state. <clears throat> so, if we're a bit naughty and we keep getting told we're naughty and we keep getting punished and we, we keep getting time out or whatever it is. In my day, it was a little bit worse than time out. <laughs> it was a good old smack as well. And we start being defined by that and by shame. And then we start to keep out of trouble. We start hiding it, don't we? Hiding our naughtiness. (laughs) So it goes deep down. And that's called shame and guilt. And that starts to be our problem. And that starts to be what defines us. And what we do is we transpose that... Unto God. That, and when we take the law, we start thinking, well, it's reward or it's punishment. Yeah. Whereas the Bible tells us, for freedom Christ has set us free, stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. You see, if our Christianity is about reward and punishment we're in that sense of being a slave rather than a son. And I want us to really get a hold of this, this picture. As I said last week, there, are, there was the old Jerusalem, the natural Jerusalem, and the new Jerusalem, which is the heavenly Jerusalem. And there was the slave and there was the son. There was the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And these parallels or types or pictures were used by the Apostle as he talked and made comparisons between living under the law and living under grace and the gospel and the true gospel of Jesus. Jesus Christ and him crucified. A relationship with Christ. Christ in me, that is Christian, in Christian in Christ in me, not outside, not following something, not keeping rules and regulations. See, the rules and regulations, those good things follow their seed. If we're birthed in Christ, if we're born again, we're born to a new life, and the life is within us, and we live out of that life. We live out of a place of being forgiven. We live out of a place of being blameless. Paul says, I'm blameless. And yes, at the same time, Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. He knew what his background was, but he knew what he was now and who he was now in Christ. And it's because he had been through so much and done so much damage to the church, which was in his face all the time as he travelled around, that he knew what redemption really was and what it was to be a new person in Christ Jesus. And this is about faith. So if we focus on the law, the rules, etc., and not the finished work of Christ, then our state will be determined by our performance. Behaviour which leads to either condemnation and hopelessness or self-righteousness and pride. Mm -hmm. That's what the Lord does. If we live on rules and not on relationship, it's all about relationship with Jesus. You know, Jesus plus anything is minus Jesus. It equals in, in sums. Mathematics. So Jesus plus the law is minus Jesus. Because our dependence has to be on the finished work of Christ on the cross. When Jesus said, it is finished, he meant it. Your sin, your shame, your guilt, your past is finished. We are defined by Christ. It is Christ in me, the hope of glory. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus. So we have the grace, we have the forgiveness, we have the blood of Christ, we have the work of the cross. And as we add faith to that, it activates it. See, once we know what Jesus has done for us, and we don't look at our shame, we don't look at what we've done, we don't look at our failures, we don't look at our feeling which doesn't feel like reading the Bible today, which doesn't feel like praying today. Do you ever feel like that? Yeah. Who feels let down, who maybe feels doubt. But when we know what Jesus has done for us and what his love is, we can't fail to, but to attach faith to that. And that's what Galatians is all about. That's why we're looking at this whole subject, is to get a hold of what grace is. Get a hold of what the gospel really is. Not something that it's a whole lot of rules and regulations and the world looks at the church and that's what it sees. And there is a revolution worldwide of the grace of God among the churches. And there's opposition to that, naturally, because the devil doesn't want us to be free. He wants to keep us in a place of slavery, slaves, rather than sons and daughters of the living God. If he can get us to be in a place where we feel obliged, obligated and worn down and guilty and full of shame, he'll keep us there because he knows that's not very attractive. But what is attractive is freedom in Christ. That's what's attractive. I just want to read to you um, a poem that I wrote some years ago when I started to get a revelation of God's grace. So um, you'll you'll know the story, I referred to it last week, uh, and that's the story of the prodigal son, which is a fantastic illustration of being a servant or a son, a slave or a son. And it also describes in one short story, the, just the, the sense of the hum- humanity, the fact we're all so human in how we are. And the human state is common to each one of us. So uh, this was my attempt at a bit of poetry. So I hope you'll, I, I hope you'll, uh, you'll put up with me for a moment. Yeah, okay. How did I get to this place? What foolishness did possess to make me so? The deceit of the world has conspired to rob me of my soul. What riches, what pleasures did lie to bring me to so low a place? This is the prodigal speaking. I will arise and go to my father, but wait by what road, by what way. Surely it is too late. I have wasted his gifts. I have cast aside his love, trodden down and despised the life so freely given. Perhaps by chance his heart may soften. There may be a place in his outer court. Forgiven, yes, favours, no. I will be as one hired, A crust, a drink, a glance will suffice. What is this coat, this ring, this feast? I do not understand, how can this be? The Father I knew was harsh and strong, just and true. Too hard to please, too difficult to attain. I could not live up to his demands. So what change has wrought in my father's heart? What wonders do I see unseen before? Grace shines unapproachable yet everywhere. Forgiven, forgotten, sin no longer reigns. What is this I misheard, misread, misunderstood? What was this, where was this grace, this mystery lost, hidden from my heart? Why now so late, if only but look? the coat, the ring, the feast. The Father's love, favour removes the past. The loss, the pain, remain for a time until healing comes, memories fade and grace prevails. What now, big brother, what judgment, what bondage would you bring? You cannot, for though your words are blows all true, I have what you have not. Forgiven, Forgotten, washed clean, clothed with the soft raiments of our Father's grace. Give up, big brother, your verdict rules, your efforts to earn our Father's pleasure. The gift unearned, unmerited, free. No conditions, no laws, no longer bound by earthly rule. His grace transforms our mortal heart to taste and see eternity. I just felt that as I, as I wrote that it was a it was something for me at that time but for us it illustrates really what that whole story of the prodigal that he felt I'll be just one of the servants I'll just go and do my duty I'll he'll accept me as a servant I can just be as one that's hired But the father ran to him and brought him in and loved him in a way that he just couldn't get a hold of. I just don't get this. There's no harshness, there's no punishment, there's there's no consequences even. And the elder brother who was one who was under law and he kept the rules and he'd done the right thing was full of judgment. And I can't th- th- help thinking of the, the parable Jesus told of, the, um, of those that were rewarded and they worked through the day. Various ones came at different times, if you know the, um, the parable. And the ones that came in the last hour, on the 11th hour, were paid exactly the same as the ones that had started at the beginning of the day. Yeah. And they said, the ones that had started at the beginning of the day said, How come it's not fair? They're being paid the same as us. But that's grace. That's grace. We are called to be sons and daughters and we're all equal. You know, and a lot of us look round and we think, I'm only worthy to be on the back row. That's nothing personal for those of you on the back row. (laughs) But you might feel like you're a back row Christian. You just don't want to, you know, the... The, the righteous ones are sitting on the front, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you are, you are righteous, but you're righteous on the back row too, right? right. So, we, we need to know that we're all equal and we're all, we've all got a place and are loved by our Lord. Yeah. It's good, right? yeah. We've all got a place apart in his body and his purposes. Galatians 4, 1 through to 7. Let's read that together, we'll just get it up on the screen. I mean that the heir, as long as he's a child, is no different from a slave, though he's the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son, into our hearts, crying, Abba Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Yeah. 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 Crying, Abba Father. The Spirit is in our hearts, the life is within us. It's powerful. It's powerful. Yet sometimes we make it like it's an exterior thing of keeping this rule and that and the other. But that was the part of the slave. That was the one that was bound and set up in rules and regulations and just did what they needed to do. there's a faith which comes through love. When we really get a hold of the fact that grace is God's unmerited favour, His love to us, and we understand that and we attach faith to that, we know that nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible for him. And we live in a fallen world where we have adversity and we have an enemy. And he, he wants to stop us getting a hold of that grace. He wants to stop us get a hold, getting a hold of that love. He wants us to bind us up in, in behaviourism and performance and, and just working hard. Not in a place of freedom as sons. And it's so important that we get a hold of this. In Galatians 5, 6 through 7, we read, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, that is, (coughs) the law counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You are running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? They were going well. They'd started well. But something hindered them. And the only thing that matters is not what rules you keep. Symbolically, that's what the circumcision was talking about. The outside. It's all about the outside. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you're worried about the outside of the cup. God's only concerned with the inside. And he Put his spirit within you and you're born again, you're born again to be free. Free from obligation, free from law, free to walk in his spirit. And some would say, well, you're talking about freedom and no laws, does that mean I can just do what I like and I'll still be forgiven? Is that, what, is that what grace is about? Actually, grace, the grace of God says no to ungodliness. Right. We will be forgiven if we sin. We don't have to keep a list and check off, have I, have I repented for this, that and the other thing? Because we'd be there all day, folks. Folks. You know, and that was one of the things that I used to be taught in my early Christian life was that you have to keep a short account and keep repenting. If we're in a place of sin consciousness where we're always counting our failures and every time we snap at the kids or snap at the wife or snap at the husband or whatever it might be, we're going to be here a long time repenting. Yeah. And there's bound to be something we forgot. Oh, we forgot when we were doing 55, Dan, so-and-so, when we should have only been doing 50. Have we got to repent for that as well? We're in a constant state of being forgiven, and we've got the Spirit of God within us who leads us, the Bible tells us, into all truth. He doesn't lead us into sin. He leads us into all truth. Further on in Galatians, in 5, 13, and 14, we read, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. And out from there, and for the sake of time we can't go there... There's the list of the fruits of the Spirit and the fruits of the flesh and how they war one with another. Uh, and that's a whole different teaching. But the start-off point, the point that we all come from, and I make reference back to the Flawless video that we watched for so many weeks at the beginning of the year when we were, we were doing the Relationship Series... And, and that verse is about relationship. It's about loving your neighbour. Mm. And that's how the law, if you like, the law was fulfilled. The law was fulfilled and to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul, and all, with all of you, and thy neighbour as thyself. Yeah. And here we know that if we fulfil that by the power of the Spirit, that everything else gets taken care of. But it's from within. Yeah. It's from within, the power of the Spirit within us. That's what brings the change. So how do you manage your freedom? The place of that, in that video, we looked at the, the, our state being a place of flawlessness, of being flawless. Even though each of those individuals that come up on the, on the screen, those of you who are here, had some flaw or or other. Some of it was physical. Some of it was was stuff like they felt failure. They felt a failure in in terms of their... They were ashamed of their past life or they felt a failure as a leader in the home or they felt a failure as a mother. But in Christ, they were made flawless by the blood of Christ, by the finished work of the cross. And that's where we sit. We've got that foundation and that awareness and knowledge and we attach faith to that. We believe God because that will be accounted to us for righteousness. And the faith that moves mountains. You, can, you might say to yourself, well, I haven't, got, I haven't got much faith. I know what Jesus has done for me. I know the work is finished on the cross, but there is I haven't got much faith, but you've got that knowledge. And Jesus said, if you've got faith, even as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, be moved and it will be moved. And there are times each one one of us feel desperate and defeated and shamed and broken. But Jesus has done all that for us. He has died for us and been broken for us and bled for us and said it is finished. There's a key verse which I absolutely love in Galatians 2.20 and we read I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness came through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. It is no longer I who live. It is no longer my shame. It is no longer my guilt. It is no longer that event that happened in my life that defines me and defines who I am. It is Christ Jesus. It is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. Amen? Amen. Do you get that? Do you believe it? then you can move mountains, amen? Yes. <laughs> God bless you. Maybe the music team would like to come as we close off this morning. And let's, let's believe God for great things. There could be that some of you got real challenges. And what stopped you is that sense of shame, that sense of, um, of guilt, that sense that you're not good enough that you you don't perform well enough, you don't read your Bible often enough or pray often enough. But it's all about what Jesus has done. You don't have to add to it. You only have to believe. You only have to have that faith that attaches to his grace. And his grace is all-powerful. His spirit is all-powerful. And that same spirit that Rose Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Amen.